Hello? Yeah, hello? Yes? Yeah, I'm looking for an artist. Oh, okay. I'm looking for an artist. Alright. Yeah. To the right, next to the wine rack, bro. It's uh, in here, babe. Right next to all the plants. Um, you got on the chest. What? What time? <laughs> Nerds. Classic nude. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> gotta gotta pull out that sweet sweet ear fluid. <laughs> Dude, I. No, no. Oh. If I'm lucky, I will never have that experience. That's how I define luck. Lucky. <laughs> I'm lucky. Lucky is not having to have syringes stuck in my ear to drain them. Lucky is having um, an outlet for my aggression and my fear and my creativity and my expression. One might say that if that luck is you getting punched in the head... Then maybe that's not. <laughs> There's no striking in jujitsu. The piano was great. <laughs> Stick to the piano. <laughs> you don't kind of get. But punched. the piano doesn't punch back, bro. Oh, that's true. That's true. It only. It's only the sadism. It doesn't it get actually, to quell, quench the masochism. It, it does though. Okay. The vibrations. They're real and they bounce back. Yes. Also, uh, people like Jerry Lee Lewis used to bleed from their fingers because they would be. I'm sorry. So people like Jerry Lee Lewis used to bleed from their fingers because they were playing so hard. Had they broken the keys and they were jagged and chipped? I don't know. I mean, are you saying that because you did that? No, I'm no, just I saying. Mean, how like, else like, would you from <laughs> just like cut your fingers? <laughs> oh, right, the runs. The yeah, and like I mean, yeah, they yeah. were playing like intense, sort of like '50s, '60s, sort of. Oh man, you know, you're right. Super fast uh, blues piano. I know that like Little Richard, if the VH1 like bajillion hour biopic um and it is a biopic now is it um, biopic or it biopic? Is biopic end of story because it's a biographical picture end of story but <laughs> you know, so like apparently so in the music uh the music industry apparently like you didn't have to pay um but, well the producer the record companies like own the songs and the artist didn't really own the publishing rights so what they would do is black artists would record the songs and then the record company would turn around, give it to one of their white singers, and then the hit, the big radio hit, would be done by the white singer. And so that's like, so basically what Little Richard started doing was playing his music so fast because he knew that he could sing to it. And at the time, it was Paul Anka that was like covering all of his songs. He knew that Paul Anka couldn't sing that fast. So he would just do it as like a huh. way of... Like, protecting his version of the song. Interesting. Yeah, it's like um, it's like his version of. So uh, it reminds me of this thing of a uh, playwriting teacher of mine. Um, she would she would say like she would call it director proofing because like you can't like a director does not have to um, 
include any of the stage directions that you put in. However, uh, you can just put in a line, like if you want somebody to cry, they can cut that stage direction. But if a line is, don't cry, <laughs> like they have to honor that in some way. Yeah. 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 Well, this is going to be an easy podcast. Yeah. Guys, we're welcoming the very Stephen Moscos. What? Into Looking for Artists. What a treat. Thank you for coming on, dude. Oh my god, thank you for having me. Yes. I've been I've been I've been following you avidly. Like um, physically or no on comment. the interwebs? No comment. Okay then. And next question is <laughs> Next question is um the question of the day. Oh uh, fuck. Bing 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 bing. Uh, oh well, well my question of yeah. the day. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh explicit podcast? It, yeah. Dope. Expli- life is explicit. Whoa. I'm not interested in doing things that aren't realistic. No, I'm kidding. I like I like um surrealism. Okay, so here here we go. I'm just trying to remain open. <laughs> life is not black and white. Fair truth. Um question of the day for you is what are you getting rid of this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know who's going to love you? Gina. Boom. Because uh, I get an opportunity. I always have like three rare in a Yes. Go, and she <laughs> fucking hates it. Okay. Uh, I love right. y'all's relationship. Oh, man. my God. I mean, so do I. But like uh, sometimes I'm like, why do you? What, what's so bad? I actually, I'm just going to say my one of my fucking favorite moments in the podcast yeah. is how you kept in like three minutes of her explaining to me that the intro was too long. (laughs) I was like dying laughing listening to that. I was like, Michael's on my team. Michael's on my team. Dude, it has to be transparent. Yeah. Because that is the show to me. Yes, absolutely. And it informs everything else. Right. Just like the, the, the fact that she hates the way I introduce the show. Um, and also, I hate, I hate how uh, pretentious I can sound. Just because, like, I have that level of pretense at my disposal. Um, and are you aware of when you're firing it off? Oh yeah, basically, I just feel like many people find like detailed discussions of like particularly with regard to our podcast plot structure to be kind of inaccessible and also you you you, i meet so many people that are like when you watch a film you really like analyze it but i'm just watching it to enjoy it you know and i'm like oh well in the meantime um, could you fuck yourself um (laughs) because it's like implicit in that you're saying that I don't have the capacity to enjoy anything, that I only consume art as an academic. Sure. Um, or maybe they're commenting on the fact that you can't turn that off. Right, but see, like, the way that I described it to somebody was that, like, so I was speaking to a, an Orthodox priest, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, there's, you know, a very ornate iconography, all right? I'm looking at it. You're looking at it. We both think that it is ornate, that it is beautiful, that it is well done. But you understand what all the symbology means. So 
I just think it's beautiful, but you understand why. So really, you're not, you don't have a poorer understanding of what's going into it. You have a deeper understanding and you are therefore able to appreciate it more. And also, you're just less pleased. I mean, it's like, you know, a four-year-old likes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but like when you're 30, maybe you want something that's like a little bit more developed, a little bit more complex. You like want more flavors and shit. Um, so like, sure. yeah, I'm saying that people who can't really, or don't want to think about, you know, the structure of film, I'm comparing them to four-year-olds, which brings me to, uh, so you're getting, rid, getting of rid of this week. Pretense this um, week. no, that's Never. firmly affixed <laughs> in my personality. <laughs> no, um, no, I, so I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, no, I, so I want to get, I want to trade my, what I was thinking about was I was going to trade and this is a little bit, uh, silly, but that's the whole point of the, the trading is, you know, you get is silliness. Um, so like I want to trade, uh, inconvenient truths. Um, and I would define inconvenient truths, like not global warming. That's just, that's just the fact that like actions have consequences, you know, I don't consider that to be inconvenient An inconvenient truth, um, is things like, so like I have, and I'm, I'm pretty open about the fact that like I have eating issues, um, and like a lot of body image issues. So like what, like an inconvenient truth is that when I start to go really like down or like they escalate, I start to get, I know that it's happening and I know that it's destructive and that it shouldn't be happening. However, I also know that when it stops happening, cause like I like the weight loss, but I also know, and I know though that like it's unhealthy. However, the inconvenient truth is that I'm a, I kind of don't want it to stop because if it stops, then I will gain back the weight that I've unhealthily lost. Mm-hmm. And like, that's true. Like I will do that. Um, and, and so it's like, it doesn't help. Like, yes, it's unhealthy and I shouldn't have lost that. Um, I mean, I could probably have lost it, but, uh, it, it doesn't help when people are like, you know, no, you, you're being sort of delusional or that's sort of the disease talking to you. Then it's like, well, no, no, no. That's like a reality. I've, I've lost this weight. I'm going to gain it back. That's an inconvenient truth. So I'd like to get hmm. rid of that. Okay. Um, I would also consider like, um, I don't know. This is, this is big. This is, uh, or controversial. This is another thing that I hate. I mince words a lot. Um, because I can feel people, um, I can feel what people's reactions would be. Hmm. But, um, Trevor Noah describes, uh, he came up with it, this great phrase called the pain of diversity, which is like, you know, people, there's like this stereotype that like white people are saying it's like a hard time to be a white person right now. And that like things are sort of being given to people of diversity. It's not true. I mean, it's, but the problem is it is true that like it's, it's that the things are relatively zero sum you know, opportunity. And so it, the problem is that you have unjust opportunity over here. So when that unjust opportunity is taken away, 
there is a net loss. That is inconvenient. That uh, I like that Trevor Noah called it the pain of diversity hmm. because it's like it's also temporary. Um, and that like if you're pro competition, um, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But if you where he was like, you know, like imagine where we could be once there is like a justice at that level. Um, but that is, it just sucks that like you can't say no. Cause if you say it's not true, you're not really looking at the situation for what it is. And, and if you're not really looking at the situation, are you addressing it properly? Um, Can you give us an example? Like, where is that happening? Right now. Yeah, I mean, I just see a lot of like, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't really care, to be perfectly honest. Uh, no, I, I see a lot of breakdowns that, you know, something that I've struggled with as an actor is like yeah. the fact that there's a lot of parts for me from like 30 and beyond, like 34 and beyond. Yep. You know, and like there is a problem with sometimes there's like, there's like zero sympathy in that regard because it goes from 34 and beyond where like other things crest off at 34 um, or not 34, but more like 40. But um, as opposed to like opening up, a lot of people are like, Oh, that must be some problem. But um, it certainly, certainly have student loans that I would like to have an easier time paying off. Um, for sure. But, uh, yeah. And I, and I, and I also, again, I, I think that to be perfectly honest, I don't do a lot of research into it primarily because I don't think it's bad. Like I don't actually, to be perfectly honest, care how um, true it is or how painful it is because I don't think it's wrong. Like I would rather that pain be happening. Um, and so like I don't necessarily have, I don't have sympathy for people who are complaining about it. I just don't. It's like, when, I don't know. You ever have anything where you're like, where somebody is talking about something that's like hard and your response is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard. Yes. And that's several that's, things. So like, that's just kind of how I, I, I feel about it. So I don't, I don't. Yeah. But then I, what I do is I make a list mm. like in these times where I'm having trouble sympathizing, I guess. I'll make a list of things that are applicable to my own life. Like, what what are the things that I say, like, this is hard, where other mm. people are like, okay. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see, I see. Everyone's different. So because I am a different person than this person, my these this is hards are going right. to be different than their this is hards. We're all the same. It's all the same. So I in a, in a way, I don't care either. But in a way, I do care. I care for people that are in pain. But I think that pain is necessary 
to, to exist. I think it's necessary to create. I think pain is necessary for pleasure. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that there's a, um, I think it's definitely, Oh God, don't lose it. Steven. keep it, keep it. Um, go right on through when you, when you, there's a lot of, um, when you start getting into like how you as an individual are acting out of like social conditioning, it's really hard to figure out like, because you know, like pain hurts and like heartache sucks. Like you can still be, you still have the capacity to be hurt in a matter of sort of where you fall on sort of the social spectrum of privilege. And so I, but there is this question of like, when you start to interrogate that and like what that pain comes from, it becomes difficult to extract like, do you feel the, are you experiencing this like hardship because you feel like you deserve something different and do you feel like you deserve something different because of that social construct? Sure. Um, I find that can be like, that can end up in like a really circular um, inner conversation. I, I think it can, but I also can think that, I mean, I also think that it can be linear. Like you're talking about these social constructs, but there are also physical, we live in a world where there are also physical constructs. And what do you mean by that? Like, let's say one person is like, it's hard for me to lose weight. That's probably because of a lot of reasons, right? That are mm. actually physically hard for that person. Like it's hard for them to, to exercise if they're not in a momentum or a habit of exercising, or it's hard for them to eat right consistently if they haven't built that habit into their lifestyle. Right. And you haven't even touched on the or fact genetic. that like, yeah, genetically, you know like, what I mean? They're, if, if they just can't evolutionary diet, like if they are predisposed to a certain diet evolutionarily and then they are living in a different mm-hmm. environment or the fact that like we just make foods now, right? The, you might not have the metabolism that's going to break that down in the same way that someone metabolism. else has a different that's, genetic yeah. makeup. It's like not even, you, yes to your evolutionary per, like impulses as far as food choice, but also your your evolutionary history regarding like your body and its ability to metabolize food. Right. That's that's exclusively what I'm talking about. Like oh, okay. I thought like you meant like uh, choices on the when you're sh- grocery shopping, and some people are just gonna choose the cupcakes instead no, of the I bananas. Mean, like, so Itali- like, like a Greek person might, you know, if in the Peloponnesian Peninsula, you have like olives, and you have goats, and you have, and so you're making different oils and cheeses and meats, and then also the grains that you have there. Like evolutionarily, the people on that peninsula have developed to metabolize it and to utilize it to the best of its ability. Then if that same person were to go to say like South America, totally different biome, totally different food sources, it's not clear necessarily that they would be able to be metabolized in the same way. And if it's like, higher calorically and they're not predisposed to digest it, then they might gain weight. Yes. 
And these things are. They just are. So I think in a similar way, even though social constructs change as society and culture changes and evolves, hopefully evolves, um, there are these, these social constructs in a way just are. And in, in some cases, they are direct products of physical environment. You've lost me. And what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Because are, are they evolving or are they just are? They're both. Okay. It's both. Because the world is evolving, but it, it also is. Right. But the social, the social situation, though, also evolves in its perspective on those same like evolutionary physicalities. So like those things that maybe have at one point been positive may become negative and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So, like, and they can change. Right. But whatever they are at the time for us, they mm-hmm. are. Right. Like right now, there are a lot of things that you can't say. There are a lot of, you know, things that you can't do that are unacceptable in society. Sure. Those things are. I may not like it. I may not even have to behave or live according to those things, but they are, and people's response will happen because of that. So I guess what I'm saying is I think that that may not have to be a circular issue. I don't understand, though, how viewing it linearly... I'm saying I'm saying that it's like... The internal dialogue is circular, and not, I'm saying it, it can it can how just can the eternal it can keep going linear. though it can just keep going on a line. I would to to use your phrasing. Can you give me an example of that? By 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 trying to accept that it is that both things just are. Like I drew in, I brought in the physical as an example to to link to the social thing that you were talking about like these th- these these right. things in your mind of like like it's just a never ending circle right but i think if you can think in terms of like regardless of whether or not i like it or whether or not it's true or true for me these right. things are yeah in a way i mean i could see it very i would definitely agree that i don't know if it gets um in a way, it's like neither linear nor circular, but sort of like a scatter plot, and that it's like these are all just all these things are simultaneously truth. Yep. And I guess by linear I mean I'm I'm riding this train and looking at all the things, mm-hmm. right? Like the experiences or the thoughts, the, the cycles, the thought cycles that we think are or whatever it is. That's yeah. been honestly the most interesting answer to question of the day well it was a trade so the what i would like to trade it for both um it was a the 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 inconvenient truths okay I would yes like to trade inconvenient truths with for um so i go into um the 14th street starbucks at sixth avenue okay and uh how to save a life by the fray is playing and not a interesting not a right away i am singing song. right away i am singing of course and i'm just kind of waiting not i'm like in my own world and then i look up the barista's singing oh. this other barista's singing this other guest behind me is singing everyone we're not, no one's singing together everyone is just like unified in how much they like love this song that they may or may not have 
like really heard or like listened to by choice in like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like yeah. it just was so good and like just so captured everyone that everyone Man. Like, Step one, say that you know that. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh my God. That's Without amazing. Innocent. It's like everyone tuned in to the same frequency at that moment. And you stay right between the lines Joy and pain And you began to wonder why you came It feels great, right? It just feels Yeah, you great. had that timbre right on I've been How to save a life Yeah, our jaws are tight right now How to save a life Yeah, I'm also doing it to cover the fact that like I might get words wrong But that way if yeah, I like, yeah, sure. push it through a super tight jaw Then it just sounds like mumbling Well, the fact that you didn't go straight to the tag And you started, you actually started a verse that's You're already off on the right foot Yeah, I feel like I should get credit at least for trying I want to give you credit for the many, many things that I know you're doing and I also want to take account of the things that you've done up at like who you've been and who you are, because my where when our lines crossed, when our stories crossed, yeah, that was not too long ago. No. Right. No. And I there, feel, uh, you feel very familiar. I know. Right. There's been a surprising le- uh, lack of intersection after that point too well i've been trying yeah. like i i wish no not and like not in a way i mean it's just like a we do have this level of like familiarity that's almost instant that yeah it's like i wish it were more um dude yeah. thank you and it is and it will be but i was gonna yeah. say the reason i had hesitation was well i do see you more than all of my these are finger qu- air quotes friends right that i went to college with Oh, fair. I yeah. You know what? Honestly, I may see you more than most of the friends that I went to, at least undergraduate school with. And part of what we're doing with all of this is, and we'll get into what we're talking about. Right. Basically, I Stephen Stephen does a podcast. I do, among many other things, but he does a podcast, and I see him because of that podcast. I help him set up and record and. If I'm not here, then Julie's doing that. Mm-hmm. But this is all under Rock Rising. Wow. And that's part of what why we're doing this. We want to find people like you to have excuses to be seen and, yeah. to, and to see and be seen. I am like, it's the, it, I'm crazy grateful that you guys were like, you want us to produce it? I thought it was like, a, a part of me was like holding my breath, like waiting for it to like come out that it was a joke. I'm like, so, I, I was so happy. Cause like, it, it felt like a good idea to me. Like it felt like something that was really interesting. And like, I think you guys have brought a lot of interesting ideas to it that have like, let us expand into what it is now. And it's perfect now, we should lock it in exactly as it is, because it's it, like the most ideal form it could possibly be. But um, <laughs> I do think that you guys have helped shade. it get to like a great point. <laughs> Myself. Oh, like, I thought you were throwing it at Gina. No. <laughs> because she no. gets on to you for your intros. No, she gets on me intros. Like, I mean, if I, I, it might, if you might, it might be the best question of the day answer, but I bet it was probably the longest. Like, um, I don't know. The, of the, I don't know. That's I don't know. True. Is it, you know. It's all one big question. I don't even question. care. Like, I don't 
care about how long things take because it's like it's the journey, man. It's, it's not the, the journey. It's, it's the not journey, A to B. Bro. It's how you get there, Whoa. bro. Yeah. There's an infinity. And in, there's an infinity between A and B and B and C. So like. What are you even doing, bro? Just taking the shortest distance. Like, Wait, what? if there's an infinity, though, then there's no real A, B, or C, dude. Well, you just broke my brain. You, like, expanded a thought that I put out there, and now I'm like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I don't even know this is brought to you by this Rob Rice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if we ended it there? People are like, I'm what in- the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, that's a wrap. See you next week. All right, my guy. So where are you from? So I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I lived there forever, and then I moved to New York. Yeah, so I was there for uh, 22 years, moved to New York at 22, been in New York for six years. You were yeah, the in only other place I've lived. North Carolina. How dare you? South Carolina <laughs> for two years. 22 years. 22, I was just rounding. You know, oh, twenty, okay. like twenty. You know, t- round, for for twenty you years, round down to two, right? <laughs> Don't we always round down right. as actors? Right. Duh. What's your range, by the way? What do you mean? Eighteen to. God, uh, I don't really, I don't think I'm, you know, 18 plus 16 to look younger, with a shave, you know, geez, 16 <laughs> would fuck off. No, uh, no, my, my puffy dark eyes keep me in the firm, like 24 to 30 range. <laughs> it, it's yeah. Fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, it's all weird. Okay. So South Carolina, South Carolina, South, 20, South, get it right. Get two, it right. 22 years, years. And what were you doing it there for 22 years obviously childhood but like yeah what, i mean like i was so what were you there. into um i was like okay so in terms of like i was really i don't know why this is coming to mind but like there was a period there where i was really into like drawing dragon ball z Dude. Um, you did that? You do? Did you just like, Is that a Dragon Southeast thing, dude? Maybe because like I used to like we. I have a lot of like Goku's, Goku's. and Vegeta's and <laughs> just like the same drawings Team with like Gohan, slight iterations. Like, oh man, no, in it. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I fucking love doing that. Um, That's weird. Yeah, and then yeah, so like sometimes I feel a little bit weird because like I'm one of those people like I didn't come to theater late in life. I've sort of like always been hmm. doing it. And like, I think like I started doing technical theater when I was in fifth grade. Um, and I think I became what might like, this is, I didn't think about it at the time, but when I think about it in retrospect, I was like a really good follow spot operator. Like I became, there's, there's like this 2000 seat, uh, performing house called the Satilli in Charleston that like, I think it's 2000 seats. Um, but they, you know, they have these follow spots that I used to be able to like, I, I could be, you could be like, uh, shine it there. And then just like there and just like nail it every single time. Um, which is like, Dang, dude. for a, for a 12 year old at least like, I'm like, wow, that I would, I would be surprised if I saw a 12 year old do that. Yeah. I mean, you go to theater all the time and the light's a little the light's wonky. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's like a singer sliding into right. their pitch. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and like I did that for a while and like I, so I was a theater major at this, 
um, middle and high school, this like public middle and high school. Uh-huh. Um, and so we did like all kinds of crazy stuff. And I think it, 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 it was really interesting to learn like what we were doing that, that like nobody I know really did. Like we used to have to, um, A, we used to get like regular, annoyingly rigorous testing in like uh, psychoanalysis. And like huh. we, we would be like given a case study and it would be like this cage long, page long story. Um, and then it would be like, okay, now compare and contrast uh, according to Freud and Maslow or like Erickson. Um, the how this case study might be broken down. Um, and we just, we had to do that like all the time. And then we would also like get weird vocabulary tests, but then we also had to write like 10 minute rhyming children's theater pieces or like our senior thesis. We had to write like these one person shows. And then, you know, we, yeah, we had to like do all, we had also had like a stage combat competition. Wow. Um, we had like, there was these like adjudications where it was like your first two years you were an actor and then like the junior year was like the writing year. So it's like you either were directing in the first um, half of the year when they did them and then in the second half of the year you were like writing and they had like huh. this play festival thing. Um, and so so when did you when did you start to act for the first time? Um, I mean, so I was doing so – in fourth grade, my elementary school had like clubs that you could audition into. And like I auditioned into the drama troupe and like then from there went and became a theater major at uh, School of the Arts. So like I was always doing that too. Amazing. I was always doing both. And then, but I just didn't feel like so much of the theater was musical theater. And like I've never really, cons- despite the amazing thing that I did earlier never really considered myself a musical theater person. And so I like, I loved to dance and I loved to act, but I didn't really, I honestly, I just didn't really feel like good at singing. I felt like, I feel like I have a lot of anxiety around singing. Um, so I just don't like to do musical theater that much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I wasn't like, there weren't too many opportunities for like teenagers outside of musical theater. So that's why I was kind of doing technical theater. Uh, and then I was doing like my high school had a short form improv troupe that would like tour. Um, they would tour the state. Um, we would do things like we did um, SCTC one year. We like had a work, like we led a workshop um, and like the one that we were do the one that we led was actually at um, the Chattanooga train station. Thing. Oh, like the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Yeah, is that the, that's the one that's like a convention center? Oh yeah, the Chattanooga Convention Center. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then, yeah so um, whoa, that's cool. But we did a lot of that. Um, and then I eventually did so the the technical theater was for this like youth musical theater program, and then we then I eventually decided that like I really did like performing switched into that and then I was like you know what actually this kind of isn't enough for me because I started to feel ways in which like they were making weird compromises like they wanted to they wanted me to write something and the best well the best example of it was like they wanted me to do 
the, they wanted to do the Putnam County Spelling Bee, but like this sort of cheating version to get around the rights. And they were like, he was like, yeah, so like, I want you to do what this guy does. And I was like, oh yeah, like I can definitely do that style of thing. And he was like, no, 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 but like do what this guy does. And I was like, even then I was like, oh, you want, you think, you think acting is like mimicking. Yeah, I think I'm out. Like, and I just was out then. I was like, uh, no, I'm done. Um, and then started trying to do more stuff like around town because there's lots of like pretty exceptional local theater, especially since none of it really has the ability to pay anything. Um, they get a lot of like really good actors. Huh. Um, and they do, and then some of the theaters do some really cutting edge work. So, okay, so. Why theater? What grabbed you about theater? Was it an example set before you? Like, were either of your parents into it? or My my mom was performing. And, well, my mom was performing. um, And she did, like, three, four shows a year until my sister became a senior in high school. And then after that, she, like, after doing – she wanted to, like, take a break – for her senior year to kind of like be there, you know, cause my sister's older than I am. So it was like her first child going through her senior year. Mm. And then after that, even though she liked performing, she was like, you know what? I also like how much my life is my own in a way that it's never been before. Um, cause that's kind of been her story since she was 15. Um, and so she was like, I like this and, I've done a lot of shows and if I do another show, it's going to be cause I really want to do it and not because I feel like I need to be doing shows. Yeah. Um, so like I always had that and like I talked to my mom all the time about like auditioning about, um, different shows, different things that like I want to do also just anxieties about the industry, et cetera. I talked to her about basically everything. Um, my sister was a, a singer. She went to the same, um, the same art school. She was a vocal major. Um, she's a really good singer. And she, so like, you know, what's kind of funny is she was always, she kind of was always out from a really young age doing these like performing companies, doing these things like in the spotlight. Um, for me, I don't know. I, in terms of, I mean, part of it is that it's, it almost like a, genetic way it's like it is something that like i have indeed always done but i also think that like because it's more than just theater i find like that i am like incredibly drawn to like all art always and like i think um we no seriously (laughs) like i i like i have you know, like I might not be a great piano player, but like I work at it and I like I try and like I try. I love pianist. to like make. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not like a big pianist, but um, I'm like medium size. Uh, yeah, medium I pianist. mean, I feel like I'm a wider pianist than I am a long well, pianist. Do you know, a what tall. I mean? yeah, yeah, not um, the tallest. I like, but like, honestly, do you sit on a bench while you? No, I stand. Oh, you stand. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You can um, still reach the pedals. I mean, I don't. 
well. I'm like, I don't honestly have a sustain. I'm doing all MIDI. I don't, I'm not like you with this like oh, with the amazing, real? you know, real bougie ass piano. How many keys does your MIDI have? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, like 61, I think. Dang. Yeah. I, okay. uh, cause like I have, I got a two. I started with a two cause I was like, all you know how to do is like play chords basically and like, you kind of you know enough music theory from like guitar bass and mandolin that like you can figure this out but you don't you can't like fluidly play a scale so like figure it out on two octaves first and then i started to feel like i started to sense the ways in which i was being limited by that um particularly in like chord progression and then i was like oh well just Get a fucking big one. Go big or go home. Go big or yeah, go home. Yeah, like, and then now, um, now I even today, as we have recorded this podcast today, yeah, I ordered uh, some more like USB C inputs so I could have them both hooked up simultaneously because I can't do that right now That's because nothing awesome. is USB C. Um, and then so I've been like working on that, you know, and like I like to work on guitar and mandolin, and then. Um, you know, but I, and then I also like I do a good deal of like songwriting. I also been trying to like I like I just love to draw. And then I just bought like a sewing machine because I'd like to do that more. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just love like like that kind of creation, like so much. I'm drawn to it in a way that like I'm, I'm drawn to nothing else. Well, you know, what's cool about acting in theater is that you can be all those things and be in all those worlds. Right. Like, especially depending on your, your method and how uh, much you study a character Mm -hmm. or, you know, a play, like you can really go in on, on different things and different like lifestyles. Yeah. Go in for a while, some character study. Um, I would love the, you know, I would actually love the opportunity to have to prepare for something like that. Like when you hear about somebody like saying, oh, I spent six months preparing like eight hours a day doing blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, that sounds great. I would love to A, have enough money to begin with where I could take six months to do that and then get the reward to like bridge the gap between how much money I had before and how much money I'm going to get for doing this thing. (laughs) For one play, I put on some weight and that's like smaller scale. Yeah. But I went to the gym like very, very Oh, so put all weight in that way. Yeah. I went to the gym for like the the entire when I found out that I was cast, which mm-hmm. was at the end of the second semester of my junior year, yeah. I think, or something. Basically I had the summer to prepare. So as soon as I found out I got cast, I got gym membership. I started lifting and then got my form right and felt comfortable. What was the show? It was View from the Bridge. Okay. I mean, and, and I just I had to be a longshoreman. I had to be an uncle. You had to be believably tough. It was like I had when to ben be big. Wishaw played when Ben Wishaw played John Proctor. I was like, you are not a believable farmer in like exactly. colonial Massachusetts. Exactly, you would be fucking huge, dude. We're already starting in a massive deficit because I'm a college student. I'm not forty five year old man. Right. I'm not. Italian. Yeah, you have a lot. You have a lot to make up for. I mean, how did you conquer being Italian? (laughs) 
with uh, with some reassuring pats on the back with comments such as there are some Italians as dark as you. Oh yeah, I could see it. What? Hey, also I'd put on an accent. You yeah, did the yeah. hand thing? No Strand Avenue. Oh, wow. Are you Italian? <laughs> you don't know what they I'm do like, over I'm there. I'm taken away right now. How long it's, have you got It's late. Shit. I don't know any of my lines, but oh, I was God. like uh you know for for one East Houston Street, whatever it is. Houston. Oh, you were in the Houston, South when you were Houston. doing this. Oh, I made it up. Uh, okay. I, yeah, <laughs> we don't say Houston up here. What is it? What What's like one line that I had? With the if you're a bird, I'm a bird. Um, the bird line. <laughs> Apparently, there's a bird line. The bird in line. The yeah, the, so well, obviously, this iconic. was a obviously this was a this was a huge it's moment a in my bird. life. It's a bird. a bird. Look at the little bird in my head. That's exactly how I sound. I was Eddie Carbon. And I put on weight, so it all makes sense. Yeah. No, no I never, that like, is not how I sounded. But yeah. I put on like um, forty pounds, dude. I've never so, but like, but like muscle though, right? Muscle and a little bit of fat. Like so, towards the end there, I was like, I had to maintain. Right. And as so like tech a lot of started, I was just eating and pasta you, so and you, shit. So that you had the like. You match the food to your workout habits, and then as you lost the ability to maintain the workout habits in Tech Week, you started to get soft. I didn't get soft just because of how hard and consistently I was going. But then immediately after, and, and okay, here's the other thing is I never really missed a day. Uh-huh. I just couldn't stay as long and devote as much as as much of my day to preparing and recovering. So right. I then had to alter the workouts. So I went lighter. Got you. I couldn't lit. I couldn't be squatting for mass when I knew I had a dress rehearsal that night. Well, you just gotta have a body that's predisposed to hold weight and then develop an eating disorder, and then you don't have to worry about it. Hell yeah, bro. Right? <laughs> can you no, help me out? Yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> I got a body you can use. No. Oh my. What if we could switch bodies? <laughs> just like, there we go. Okay, thanks. Um, uh, I. But like, Word. Yeah, I would know what it's like to have my fucking ear drained. Um, well, you can stay and watch. Fuck it. I okay, mean, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna. No, but like also, yeah, um, yeah. Just like, is that something that always like bothers me? Because I'll do. Um, so like, I weigh a lot, and I put that in like, I like I'm saying objectively, movie. I don't. I don't know if I'm about to describe a way in which it would not be objective. Um, I'll skip the objective part. Movies tell me that like what I weigh is high. Like I, you know, we were watching Rocky, and you know, Rocky, this like giant guy, he like weighs in at a hundred and ninety pounds, and I'm like, that's what I weigh. Yeah, yeah I yeah. don't think I look like him. And then you're not supposed to. Weigh 190 pounds? No. You're not supposed to look like him and weigh 190 pounds. Like, the work that those, like, fighters are doing to be at such a, air quotes, low weight, but look like they're 300 pounds. Like, he looked like he could have been... Explain this to me, because I'm really curious. Because, like, Michael Michael B. Jordan in Creed 2 weighs in at 175, and I'm like, no fucking way. Dude, they are building their bodies up in such an intense way that they are strengthening themselves from the inside out. It's not just like, I'm going to shed some weight and maybe be toned. They're replacing all of their being with strength. So it's lean. And it's heavy. It's like heavy muscle. Muscle weighs more than fat. 
they can't carry around that fat for the stuff they're doing. So with you, you're not a fighter. You don't need to be like that. Right. And so like there are people that look at fighters and they're like, or look at jacked like bodybuilders mm. and they're like, how do you weigh? You can't be 160. Like people always guess that I'm 180 and I'm not jacked. I'm not a bodybuilder, but people always not, like, not they jacked. think I'm 180 and it's like, no, I'm 20 pounds less than that. You're Easy. 160. Yeah. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. Well, like, it's also like I've, <clears throat> so I've not only replaced a lot of my body fat with muscle, but I've also built out muscles that make me look bigger. Interesting. Yeah. That, that actually really is interesting to me. Like, like the sort of like an aesthetic or like, I don't want to say like uh, superficial in like the literal sense that like it is creating yeah. a physical look. That's yeah. the other thing. And you see big muscles and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. His biceps as big as my thigh. Right. It's like, okay. He's right. trained it. Like, his thigh isn't that bit. You know, his thigh is like, his, yeah. well, depending on the athlete. Like a basketball player sure. may not have the biggest thighs, but if you look at a football player. Oof. Right. Because you got to have that, like, immediate, like, burst capacity to, like, as opposed to plow jump through up a line. Right. Exactly. Defy gravity. Right. Like, that, you are yeah, gravity. It's a where it's like, <laughs> yeah, like, football. you can be super strong. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, Trunks, when he was fighting Cell, he when Trump put was fighting Trunks. Oh, oh, oh. not Trump. Trunks. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> when Trump was fighting Cell, he got all the best guys on it. Oh no, he because uh, oh, the boy. whole thing was like he became too slow, right? Because he like put on this muscle to become super strong, but then he couldn't. Right, he, like he got his ass kicked because he like he had overbuilt certain areas that would make him a good fighter. Yeah. So, That'd be like a basketball player with too big of a thighs. It's a trunk situation. Yeah, but if I had to pick an athlete that could transfer over their skills over to another sport, the easiest, I would pick basketball players. Like the the things that basketball players can do. Okay, so it's not is one sport to one specific sport. It's one sport to any sport. Any sport, yeah. right. They got volleyball. Exactly. Yeah. They have golf. I mean, I know a lot of basketball players play golf. Okay, got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have golf. They have football. Just put on the weight. You already have. Or just be a receiver, and you don't need the weight. Or you don't need the weight. Or be a quarterback because you already have eye eye hand coordination. The ball coordination. You're good at like throwing the ball. Track and field, easy. Done. Cross country, done. Shot put. It's just a heavier basketball. Dude, imagine if LeBron James started like if he. This is not an, an idea that is new to me. Like, I've heard this from like other you podcasts. Think about it a lot? Oh, oh, okay. I, I don't do think, think about LeBron James. I don't like think about LeBron James a lot. I don't think about him at all, actually. But think about if LeBron James, like, was going to try to be a UFC fighter. Actually, I was just thinking, I, like, I didn't know what you were going to say, but I was going to be like, actually, what about, like, be MMA? terrifying. Because they've got the speed. Yeah, dude. And the like they've got these like basically they've developed the muscle so that they're incredibly strong but also incredibly fast and have high endurance and awareness exactly athletic awareness yep yep yep. okay so speaking of doing many things Mm -hmm. and being someone who loves all the arts arts. oh also speaking of like let's say basketball players could easily transfer to any sport i think actors also can easily transfer to any art or maybe Mm -hmm. all arts can easily transfer into acting. Yeah. I mean, actually I think you would be hard. I feel like, you know, 
a hundred years ago, there was a point in which, not even that, um, like 200 years ago, there was like a point where you could be like, no, you can't have somebody playing an instrument on stage. That's not, that's not theater. Or like, you can't have somebody dancing during a play. That's not theater. But now it's like, give yeah. me something yeah. that someone can't do during a play. Yep. And I'll give you the play that it's already been done in. Hand to God. What? Puppets. Oh, puppets was, puppets. was the thing. Yeah. Isn't that then, the, that's right. Yeah, and, but like also, I mean, if you're talking about that, like what about just like the entire Japanese history of Bunraku puppetry? Dude, Bunraku puppetry is some crazy, it's crazy trippy awesome. shit. It's amazing. The detail. Mm-hmm. The detail. Speaking of Japanese, what is it about that isolated that island? That mm-hmm. has produced so much crazy stuff. You mean like art? Like all culture. Like not just, yeah, art, um, you know, martial arts. Mm, yeah. So much valuable knowledge and culture and art has come out of there. I, but they were for so long a country that would block themselves off from mm. other people. Well, I mean, in a way, you could look at it like, um, look at it like, Greece, right? I mean, that was like an isolated area. And it was also like developed to the point where people had passed subsistence living and could pursue, um, like, I think it, who is it? Is it Maslow? It must be Maslow that talks about like the hierarchy of needs. Hmm. That like once you have established like safety and nutrition and like your physiological needs and your environmental needs that you can then go into like the being needs and like pursuing ideas such as like happiness and like aesthetics and that kind of thing. So it's like people who are in a more sort of uh, subsistence level Hmm. of survival. It's not even that they're like existentially unhappy. It's that they're not in a position to be like preoccupied with existentialism. They don't have time for that. Right. It's just like you can't, like it's really hard to like think about whether or not you're fulfilling your life's purpose if you're hungry. So I think a lot of actors right now mm-hmm. are hungry and they are putting themselves in a situation where they can't think about their life and their yeah, happiness and they're were and they're actually creating a momentum that is like causing them to then start to actually like actually in this city actually worry about the basic things. Right. I know a lot of my friends that are actors right now that aren't even thinking about happiness. They're not they're not happy and they don't they don't know what it looks like for them in their life. They think that it's being an actor, but the things that they're doing and right. sacrificing for doing that is making it so that this other half is not available to them. Right, because if you ask them, like, this is, this is like, a problem with how we, as, like, a people, just sort of see creative industries in general. Um, because if you ask them, like, okay, like, what do you love to do? Like, what, what, like, what kind of, like, hobbies do you love? I would assume that many view theater as their hobby, as well as their profession. And like, there's this sense of like, not only is it like, because so many people see it as a hobby, 
Like I like I feel like I don't know about you, but I know I've, people have been like, "Oh, you're an actor. That's so fun." Like it's seen as like kind of like a a fake thing anyway, or like a, a di- medallions. Um, that like it's also supposed to be seen to like consume you, so that like your identity should be so entirely enveloped in that that like any thing that you take away like anyone who like says oh i really like i love rock climbing like i just love this i could spend hours and hours and hours and hours a day in the bouldering gym you'd be like well i mean might not must not be that serious of an actor you know and it's like your identity should come predominant like people in creative industries are asked to find more of I- more identity in their profession than pretty much anyone in any other industry. Yes. Which is so weird because when it comes to actors, you need to have a diverse identity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what do we do about that? I don't know. It's tough. So like, I mean, one of the problems you have is like in order to be an actor, like if you want to be an actor and you're not rich, you have to have basically three if you're not full time rich and you want to be an actor, don't. In a way, yeah, it's it's tough because you have to have like. So you Sorry have to, to interrupt because I want to hear what you're saying. Well, but you to, straight it's, up, it's if you're listening about, to honestly, this, actually, I had somebody <laughs> say like, you have to be rich or you have to be poor. Because like if you're mm. poor, you're used to it, and you're like willing to do the grind. If you're rich, you don't have to worry about it. Mm. But if you like, if you're from anywhere in the middle, you're like all you middle class folk that want to be an class, actor. Yeah, don't because do do you're just do sitting there because you're like in a way in kind of not prepared to make the sacrifices because you're like I don't want to be poor. Whoa! Now, so if you're listening and you're a middle class person, either get rich or die trying. trying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, no, but like you have to have three full time jobs, basically, right? You have to be basically full time devoted to the craft itself. Okay. Then, like that takes a full time job worth of energy, which is totally different than the business of acting and which actually is the other full time job. Which is I the mean, other full time like, job? You know, people talk about. I remember people talking about like. You know, oh, you're gonna do a million auditions, and then you'll get you'll you'll get do a million auditions, and you'll get a hundred thousand callbacks, and then you'll get like ten jobs or whatever. You know, just like how it like gets smaller, smaller. But they what never gets spoken about is how difficult it is to get that audition in the first place. Like that just sucks. That is probably that's more disheartening than like an audition that doesn't go your way, bro. And we have MacBooks, right? Think about like. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, like, where do you get this info? When exactly. when is the audition? Where is it? Great, cool. Yeah, like, How do I get there? Yeah, like that's the that's why you know, like, you had to be you had to be a stalker <laughs> back then. Otherwise, yeah. you just weren't. You were just gonna miss. You were gonna miss it. Are you also? Are you? Am I a stalker? A time traveler? I uh, a little bit. So, Stephen Moskus, how do you get auditions? Fuck me. No, I mean, I, I do a lot through like. Um, Actors access, and then also um, I'll do some. So like, I'm equity, which definitely has not like. It's been great in some ways, and it's been unserving in other ways. Um, 
predominantly because like the main thing about um Please more, please more soda water. More please. seltzer. Uh, uh, the main reason that it like is difficult is because yeah, there's because there's not a lot of people, uh, not a lot of roles written for people sort of my type. Like mm-hmm. I've already talked about, like being a larger person and that kind of thing. It's like you're gonna be in your 30s without being like a, a character comedy fat person. Um, it's going to be like an older role. Um, because of that, like the roles that are my age, like they're going to people who are like either a like thinner, smaller or B kind of like famous. If, if you know what I mean, it's like the competition is so high cause there's so few roles. Yeah. And so like, um, you know, there is, let me just say, there is some credence to the idea of waiting. Um, but also what's nice is the, the way that I typically phrase it is it's easier to get seen. It's harder to get a job. So yeah. like yeah. doing the EPA thing is much easier because you can like get it. Even if you sign up in the morning, you can sign up in the morning and then like leave and come back. You don't have to sit there waiting That's all true. day. Afraid but are you getting seen though? Name. I don't mean like. Are you gonna get and in the I room? Because most of the times you do get in the room, but like they don't really care. They don't they, care, they man. Have to do, it. Yeah. I mean, that's do you the think EPAs are smart? Do you think they're smart yeah. use of an actor's time? Yeah, I mean, the way that you look at it, as long as you are looking at it appropriately, which is that, like, you, I mean, in a way, you should kind of be seeing all auditions this way. However, if it is like a legitimate appointment during like a casting period, you should be thinking about the prospects of employment a little bit more closely, but like with an EPA, they are absolutely worth your time because a you're being seen by somebody who you either would have to like run your ass out on the street trying to get in front of them or be paid to get in front of them. Um, so you're getting in front of them for free and you as an actor need to be in a high stress situation working on material so do it. Work so why on not that. why not find an, another place to do that? I mean, where you're you can, but like if you even if you're taking a class, that's not I mean, it's not the same thing. I mean, it's it, but also I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the return from EPAs has been worth it enough for people to continue to do it as much as they do. So I would say with regard to that, I've never had to make the decision <laughs> to wait for eight hours and not get seen or like wait for, I mean, if you're, you're there, if it's like a in demand EPA, you're probably there for much longer than eight hours. Um, what to potentially not get seen. Cause the, well, because the, I've only waited for like three. Well, because so like if you're non ec and you're waiting to go in and it's like, <clears throat> like fun home or something like that, uh-huh. you know, like wicked, uh-huh. those people are showing up. So first off, the casting session is eight hours long. So if it's from like 10 to six with one hour out in the middle for lunch, if it's like 10 to six, then signups begin at nine and then the room opens at eight. Well, many a time the non-ec line is like for, if it's again, if it's an in-demand musical, that might be like, 
it could be 20 plus people before the room is open. Like odds are, if it is like a great musical, people are going to be there starting at like 6 a.m. And then maybe they get to 6 p.m. and you're not allowed to be warming up or anything in those rooms. So like they're coming, they're not coming changed and they're not coming made up. They're going to do that later. But like, you're, you know, you have to take a chance on like warming up and like when and how you're going to do that. And then you also like could after, you know, if you're there, you have to be there mentally prepared to spend 12 hours knowing also that after eight hours they could say, Hey guys, uh, the alternate list is too long. Um, we're not going to get to any non X today. And then you just have to go home after, clearing a schedule for all that I, I i would say i've i've never had to do that so if i were in that position i probably wouldn't especially seeing how i don't spend five days a week doing them anyway Good. like as an appointment i really i look through it and it's like if it i just i mean again this is also part of the work is done for me and that like a lot of shows it's like i open up the breakdown and it's like oh Either either like, oh, no men. Oop, all these people are like in their 40s or, you know, whatever. I'm just like can filter down to ones that the like sort of five on the schedule that are applicable to me and then and then go for those Um, and then like do the appointment thing. So I don't have to like I'm not like living there anyway. I mean, I no I wouldn't advise that. I'd say if you were going to live there. No, you would be better off. You would be better off, literally getting plays, and reading them aloud, by yourself. Yeah. Than like doing that. Yes, <clears throat> you would. Or even going to the park and sitting and enjoying the sunshine. Yeah. But okay, so you act, mm-hmm. and you've also had a past with technical theater. Mm-hmm. Do you still do technical theater? No. Okay. I mean, I, I, so, um, I guess, would you consider being on the other side of the camera technical? I mean, you wouldn't consider it theater is what you probably wouldn't do. I would right? consider it technical. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, cause like basically I'm just never sat, I just never really satisfied feeling like I can't do something. So like, yeah. um, I don't think, I don't think it's helpful not to be aware of what your limitations are. So I am aware of what my limitations are, but I also am like, I'd rather that not be a limitation. So like, um, I do, I am working on like filming and seeing like what it's like to be on the other side of the camera. Like, and I just, um, just like self-produced this. We just have all the footage right now. We haven't cut it yet, but like this baking web series that, you know, forthcoming, um, I never want to see another baked good, but it was interesting just to like um, conceive of it in a way that like, you know, taking our sort of cinematic limitations, like what they are, how can we build those into the conceit um, to make it so that when you're watching it, you're not sitting there thinking about what our limitations are because we've married form and function. Nice. So what did that look like with the baking <clears throat> series, what were like your biggest hurdles that you didn't even like think of? Or let me rephrase this question. Were there hurdles that you didn't see coming 
were there things that you thought were going to be hard that were easy? And these can be specific to making a baking series or maybe just a, a ser- just making a series in general. Uh, the hardest thing was probably the light. Yeah. That was the hardest thing. Just because like, because it was in like this really long room and we were filming from one side and there was a window on the other side. It meant that light across the room was really inconsistent. Plus some bakes took a long time. Sun moves. So that was like really, we were struggling with the consistency of that. Um, it's again, we are, um, we were like amateur bakers in her <laughs> kitchen because the idea is like, she's in order to, um, win this baking competition or to, to compete in this baking competition. Um, you're getting the baking burps. I'm getting the seltzer burps. It's really coming at me. Um, seltzer slurps. But, yep. You know, it's like not quite, not quite the like kombucha burps, but like, give me, give me a few more cups and I'll be there. Dude, those kombucha burps sting with that little vinegar yeah. on the tail. I, I used to like drink kombucha when I was feeling, if I was like feeling a little under the weather, I'd be like, you know what? The first thing I'm going <laughs> to do is drink kombucha. And then one time I was like, Ooh, I'm still feeling under the weather. I'll drink a second kombucha. Oh, whoops. Mistake. Never drink a second. Did you spend an hour off the toilet that day? I, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know what? I, people would have probably preferred that I relegate myself to another room. Um, (laughs) kombucha is dangerous. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, the light was And then, and, uh, oh, and, and basically the, the, contest that she was entering was one in which you have to teach a friend or somebody that you know who doesn't know how to bake you teach them how to bake and you self-document um and then like that way and you like have certain principles that you have to communicate and then um the the prize is a standing mixer a lot of of the principles basically i latched on to uh, the idea of I was going through a hard time and uh, I felt like I really latched on to baking as a potential way of um, you know, reshaping my life and that we could really remake the landscape of modern American baking. Oh. And in a way, we are the Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak of baking and that why are we wasting our time with an amateur competition to win a standing mixer when we could actually be going for the James Beard amateur uh, rising star chef award. Wow. Um, yeah. You believed that? I believed it. Um, I created a PowerPoint that oh. is <laughs> one of the, one of my favorite things that I've done in like the past three months. Um, really? I, There's yeah. another thing that you've done in the past three months. That well, I just don't want to. It's one like, of my favorite things. I just, oh yeah. I want, we'll explore it later. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you still have it. Uh, well, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Do you? Um, no, that's actually what uh, a friend used to say to me in improv scenes when I said something that oh. people didn't understand. <laughs> He would just be like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then I know like, fuck, I've done it again. (laughs) Oh, so this is like why on the podcast and like whatever, when like I start to slow down, it's because I'm so used to people being like, why can't you just say it in a way that people understand, man? Come on. Um, But this podcast is kind of like 
Yeah, yeah, the, your podcast? Open Range. Yeah, I love that. I'm actually very excited about that. I was telling myself uh, in the in the intellectual pregame to not let myself, not self-edit in that way. Yeah, that's what I, I mean, every time I do this. you had us hide our educational backgrounds. Um, that was one of the changes that you made. And uh, so, like, I try to keep it, I try to keep that close to the chest hmm. uh, on the podcast. I don't want to play that ace yet dude um, i'm interested in like helping people with the things that i make yeah and i want to help the most amount of people mm-hmm. i want it i want to be approachable like and i don't think that you need to know like you don't even need to know if i went to school you know yeah T- to like under for me to talk to you in a way that y- you'll understand and that you can connect with well yeah i guess that's my failing your fa- your feeling failing oh no in your words no because i think that there are contexts in which like when people drop their education it's it is needed oh, well the my the thing is like i don't really think about it. is it actually um you know so i live with one of my roommates is like incredibly smart and has gone through like a like a life transformation and is now getting to basically live a life that reflects how smart he is um and but like talking to him it like it was a big thing for me like talking to him as someone like i respected not just like as a person um as like a socially conscious person but also like as somebody who i saw as like you know intellectually you know i I don't know how to not making a case for myself as being intelligent, but like um, intellectually, I never saw him as being any less intelligent than myself Hmm. um, or less learned, learned than myself. Mm -hmm. And yet he, he opened my eyes to basically uh, educational inequality in the country. Cause like the things that I know that are like second nature to me that I know, I know cause I learned in school and I learned them in school because I was at that school. If I was at a different school, I would not have learned it. And yeah. like, I might view someone else as like, I might judge someone or like appraise someone based on their familiarity with the things that I'm familiar with. But yeah. like, A, I in, in many cases didn't choose to get familiar with those things in the same way that they didn't choose not to. And then also, right. like, I had it's kind of reiterating the same thing, but like, I just didn't realize that that those that basically public schools could be so different. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like life is circumstance. I think, like, one thing that um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. going back to draining my ear. I'm lucky to have this issue on my ear because if nothing else, which is not the case, because I could give you a list of like a million things already, but if nothing else, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has helped me to realize that at any given moment, I could be and most likely am talking to a black belt Okay. in something, not a martial art, but in something in their life because of their circumstance Mm -hmm. and because of where they were born and the things that they did learn because of where they, they were and where they've been. 
Mm-hmm. Like I um I did and I did YBOA, Youth Basketball of America. Okay. Uh I did that for a few years in my childhood where we toured the southeast and played basketball. And I went to a school that was not affiliated or associated with this program. So the school I went to was a K through 12 Christian school at the bottom of a mountain in Tennessee. And it was very, let's say, white, right? Mm-hmm. Not good or bad, just very white. Just was. Not very diverse. Right. Um, and that's fine, I'm just saying. Uh, then this YBOA is just the, let's say, polar opposite of my experience at my school. And so, so are the experiences and the education and the background. But I was, I was an outsider, I was the uneducated person in that context. When I was plopped onto the team, I was the then undereducated person. And I learned a lot from them. And so like that moment in my life has just been made so much clearer the however many years later in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu where like anyone, like I look at these some of these black belts, dude, and they are large not even like i'm i have a large build i'm neither like my type i don't know what my type i am i'm saying like these people are large they don't look good but they could end my life in 12 seconds and that's true of like other aspects of life Mm -hmm. like i could look at this guy that i don't think i have anything in common with i don't think i'd like him at all like maybe something he's doing or he's wearing is bothering me but he could he could blow my mind with something that he's into and something that's special and unique to him. Like jujitsu's kind of shown right. me that. And that's a crazy, like that's just a crazy thing that I think like the arts has a great platform to make that clear. I think we need to, like we need this in America right now. Mm-hmm. We need to realize that like maybe even on a physical level, like don't assume anything about anyone. You could be messing with a black belt, dude. You could get choked out in 12 seconds. Or, on the contrary, you could have you could find the deepest connection with this person that you have labeled you've put into a box. Like some of my favorite characters that I've that I've so easily and delightfully stepped in and out of have been characters that at first I didn't like or I thought I didn't like because I judged it by the words on the page, you know? So I don't know, man. Like I, I kind of want to bring this back to why you're here and why not only on LFA, but like you're here in the sphere of mm-hmm. things is because um, there was something about when you came on, spoiler, right? Uh, podcast that Rock Rising does. You had this energy that drew everyone in the room together, and it and it was very welcoming and warm. And I hadn't seen, I have still haven't seen you perform. Mm. But when I'm editing your podcasts and listening to you and Gina, it's like I can see you even with Gina sometimes, like in conflict. And it could be service level. It could be put on for the show. It could be friendly, you know. But there is some, sometimes there's some conflict. 
in the way that you both navigate it. It's open mm. and it's inviting. And I like that. I just really, really like that. And I feel like the arts are the, they're, it's like the church that we have for that. Anyone, you know, of any background or education can come in and appreciate the arts. So my issue right now with like theater is that just to keep things simple, I'll go back to the, the those ki- those kids in the kids in the YBOA, okay. right? I know that they have things to benefit from in theater or in the arts, mm-hmm. but a lot of the arts is like not for them. <laughs> it's not for them. You mean like not like being directed toward them? Or like, yeah, not, not, marketed not... toward them, direct, written for them, written for them to watch, written yeah. for them to even perform in some cases. Right. Look at the people that are in the seats. Yeah. That are buying the t- the people that A can afford the tickets are B the same people. Yeah. Day in, day out. Show in, show out. Okay. What? It feels like a waste of a platform. I don't know why. And I think that's part of the reason that Hamilton like swept this country is because it's like, oh, this is what we could right. do. This yeah. is what we could do. And do you and see theater headed in more of that direction? Yeah. Okay. Cool. hundred percent. Good. Uh, I Good. Mean, it's you know, the cart, I'm not putting the cart before the horse, Mm -hmm. but you know, and and unfortunately we are still in the situation where it's like when you hear, so somebody that I graduated Columbia with has, was just the first Asian American woman to be nominated for a drama desk award for theater. And it's like, you know, in the seventies, we might be in this perspective where it's like, yes, but now it's a lot of it is just like still. Yeah. Like still we're having all these firsts, you know, and that's like really disappointing, but like not only is there, not only are we breaking through some of the myths that like, like one myth that is, is propped up on the, in the production uh, side is that like people of color don't sell in European and other markets. Well, movies now like Black Panther are breaking through that myth. Yeah. Um, places yeah. like places like Netflix that have the resources to kind of make shows regardless of, of worrying so much on their return on investment are being surprised by how wrong that myth is. Mm-hmm. And then also on top of that, you have like more, and because of that, you get more investment in those creators who can then create those stories. Um, you 180'd me just now. Did I? Yeah, completely. I was like, oh yeah, I see that. Sure. With it, more than Netflix TV and movies and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. see that. And then like, but plays, uh, something the you said sparked a thought. So expensive. Dude, and why? Yeah, and then also, like, they take a long time to prepare, and so you basically have to be somebody who can take that time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe plays are just, maybe they don't, okay, maybe plays don't need to be for everybody. Maybe it's an art form that doesn't need to be for everybody. Uh, I just think that that's, like, uh, that that bores me. I mean, especially because, like, you're in a situation, there's no reason that, like, it's a because it's a medium. 
right? It's not the work itself. A play doesn't have to be for everybody. And like one of the problems that, one of the issues that I look forward to no longer being an issue is like the idea of a phrase that gets turned out of like, you can't be all things to all people. Yeah. That like eventually we will hopefully get to a point where what a story can just be a story without like, you know, like somebody can, can do an all female adaptation of a formerly all male story without a bunch of people on one side of the spectrum talking about how it's not their place. And then people on the other side of the spectrum, like, talking about how they didn't do enough to perfectly capture their experience because there just will be enough that everyone who is being represented in a particular film doesn't have to look to that one film to perfectly capture their experience. Eventually, that you know, I have my fingers crossed and I'm knocking on wood, but hopefully within 50 years, for many people, that will be a reality. Um, yeah, it's a medium, you know, the plays don't have to be for everyone, just like a film doesn't have to be for everyone, but the medium itself isn't inherently classed. It isn't inherently yeah, for, sure. for a singular group. That's a great distinction, clarification. That's a great clarification that I think is part of the reason why you're so your podcast it makes so much sense. Like I can see the man behind the curtain machine. I don't know what it is, but uh, what curtain, what is your podcast called? What does it do? And then everyone will know what I'm talking yeah, about. The podcast is called "Should We Keep This?" and we uh, go through film, music, television, and you know we challenge your nostalgia, nostalgia to get at the question: Should we? Do, you have to do it with me. Should, 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 we, should, we, should, we, should we should we keep this? Should we keep this? Yeah, because you know the the main it, there's a couple things that that prompted it. The principal thing that gave me the idea that like in that was phrased almost exactly that way is like Breakfast at Tiffany's, hmm. where like the aesthetic of Breakfast at Tiffany's is like very memorable. It's one of the first thing I, I've never heard anyone. Say, like, if you quizzed someone and be like, all right, first thing you think of when you think of Audrey Hepburn, go. I've never heard anyone say, like, Sabrina. You know, <laughs> like, they, they yeah. either go Holly Go Lightly or they go Breakfast at Tiffany's, both being the same thing. What and if I so, said Covenant College? I'd be like, there are outliers for everything. That's what I would say. <laughs> 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 yeah. All um, righty. Thank you for proving my rule with your exception. Yeah, um, sure. What if I said Castle in the Clouds? Does that mean anything to you? Uh, Lamez. Whoa. Are we playing word association now? I think we are. I think we're playing that Ratatouille. game. Ratatouille. Cucumber. Kabucha. Probiotic. Genetic propensity to pick certain things off of grocery shelves. Kebab. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
my gosh. Oh, oh man. Okay. So it's called Should We Keep This? Yeah. But oh, well, basically because the end of yeah, that movie, no, the end of the movie, um, they're having this, there's lots of things that are just like bad about that movie. Um, the most oh. notably is is got to be that Mickey Rooney is in yellow face and false teeth playing uh-huh. her Japanese landlord. However, that is like so obvious that like it doesn't it's almost like it's almost like a devil you know scenario where it's like that shit is so fucked up it's it's like kind of less insidious it's like when um it's like in othello like i kind of sometimes talk about like othello that it's one of shakespeare's least racist plays because it's about racism as opposed to like the other plays that make racist comments but aren't as a whole making any comment about racism on upon racism exactly. sure yeah um the end of that Whoa. movie the end of that movie they're arguing in the rain and she's like you don't own me and he goes yes i do yes i do because i love you and that means i own you and like this is intended to be romantic and in many cases and like especially at the time probably was seen as like this romantic confession and they do fall in love and they end the movie together so like that was me being like whoa ah this should we should, should we, we keep, keep this, this? Like, yikes we can't keep this that's uncomfortable um but there's also like you know i saw her standing there right by the beatles How's that song start? I actually don't know. You bore me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, dude. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't care at all. Um, but it just starts like, you know, well, she was just 17. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, dude, what? You, no. And then like, there's a bit like sexualizing like underage women in songs. Like that shit goes forever. And like that is fucked up because it like, I mean, it's just, it's obvious. It's if it's a pop song or if it charts in any way, the then what it is saying is that we as a culture think that it is a, that that certain degrees of statutory rape or pedophilia are permissible. Is that what we're saying, or are the, were if, the Beatles? The pop, I don't. I mean, I can't speak to the intention of the Beatles writing that song, mostly because I don't. The Beatles no, were not like. I didn't. In a I way. couldn't even tell you how it started. But listen to this. Just try this for thought. Try this hat. This thought experiment I'll try this, on. This thought on for size. Do it. Like comedians, right? Yeah. Comedians can go on stage and joke about things that are considered socially inappropriate. Things that they could not say if they weren't on that stage holding a microphone saying to thousands of thousands of people. And in this day and age, millions of people, because people make Netflix specials saying mm-hmm. inappropriate things. They're artists. Musicians are artists. Can't musicians also comment on the things that are true and inherent in human nature? It's different if they're praising the fact that, that their impulse to look at a 17-year-old is funny or sexy, or if they're just saying, like, this is something that's in me. Because some pop songs, dude, they're framing terrifying thoughts, but the, the song itself sounds happy, you know? Well, I mean, I think that there's... Well, I think that there is a possibility that what you're saying is true, 
Um, but it can't be the assumption. Um, it you can't. Why does there have to be an assumption? Yeah, Why I'm can't we you look are, at it for what it is? Yeah, but I don't if, know the Beatles song. What are the what lyrics to this Beatles thing? Um, yeah, that's a what if. Do you know if that's what they were doing? You know what I mean, and the way she looked was way beyond compare. Okay. Um, oh, I couldn't dance with another when I saw her standing there. The song is like, I'm going to be like, I, I, I'm, I'm in love with this 17 year old now. Uh, White Snake has a song uh, where he, where they're like, you know, she's only 17. Um, lo- I just, it, it would be. Yeah. No, I don't know the songs right. that you're speaking of. I'm just saying. Like not even with you these know, uh, songs, Neil Diamond is like, but like if girl, you girl, you'll be a woman. Uh, no, uh, yeah, who is is that Neil Diamond? Yeah, girl, you'll be a woman soon. Soon you'll need a man, which is saying either a you're about to come of age and you need to get married, or b I'm going to fuck you huh. um, because you're Yikes. a virgin. Um, now here's the thing. Um, as artists. Would you say that we have a license to explore things that are inappropriate outside of the realm of of art? I think that that is. Wait. Certain things. Say that again. Say you mean like you mean you you mean outside of the realm of art, it would not be appropriate, and you can explore it within art. Or are you saying that the artist should explore explore in inappropriate things outside of their art? The first one. But, um, yeah, <laughs> that is my favorite grammatical fallacy amphiboly. Um, but the what I think is important is uh, intent. Mm. It doesn't need to be clear. You know, we were talking about this with, like, songwriting you know, when we were talking about, like, just before starting uh-huh. recording. Yeah. But, like, you have an in- intent and... and Especially like would be tough for a comedian that's like really putting themselves out there in terms of mm-hmm, doing that mm-hmm. while you're developing it and it's imperfect, it's not gonna be. It, it's if you're dealing with something sensitive and it's not perfect, that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be in some cases like if somebody is puts anything a video that's up, uh, sensitive online, perfect do you ever perfectly sort no, something out no, that's it, sensitive I'm saying by the time that it reaches a special they're going to somebody who has the material can something. be perfect but the subject material may not be i don't know that i understand your distinction and i'm not 100 percent sure that your distinction that you're making now isn't a pivot from what we were talking about before if it is or isn't what do you mean how do you mean? What I mean that like um No, I'm I'm very much on the same train as as we were before. So I'm saying So like if I'm so like Bill Burr, right? Yeah. Um he talks about like he talks very openly about race, which like for a ginger um is I don't know, probably scary. Um, a ginger? He's he's very pale. He's he's a ginger. Which is another race. Yeah, well, honestly, race doesn't exist. It's uh, okay. Then why is it any of this relevant? This is definitely a pivot. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because 
societally we have uh, we have made it a legitimate social construct. But it I'm talking no, no. Right as now. a comedian, why um, is that relevant? Why can't he make a joke? He's because on the stage, he, anyone it, it, stage is colorblind, isn't it? Yeah, but the audience is not. But isn't the point of a lot of our art is to break down these barriers? How can we break down these barriers if we remain sensitive to the things that are like perpetuating these very what barriers? I would say my feeling about that is that there is a degree of um, I think that there's like an implicit perception that when you are coming at it from uh, a position of like good intention, even if that intention isn't like trying to make a positive change, just basically isn't malicious, um, that will be perceivable. Um, really? Yes. I mean, I think there will be... In 2019? Think, yeah, because like generally speaking... You know, you're people are getting blasted on social media left and right with nothing but the most positive posts and comments. Yeah, but like that is and getting torn to shreds. Part of that has to do with like anonymity. Um, that like it's easier to do things. That that kind of like brings me back to that test. You're anonymous did. to the artist when you're li consuming their art, though. Yeah, but like you know, if you want to, if we want to make this distinction with how things work on social media, then it's like then. Let's talk about there are videos of the things that like comedians really hate is that there are videos of people taken in clubs that are then put on social media uh -huh. and blasted. Yeah. But every but everyone in that club is laughing. So like that is an instance in which like whatever that subject material is, they're succeeding in that context. And then you've taken it out, put it in a new context. And then I mean that but that also happens in like journalism all the time too where they'll pull someone's quote put it out of context yeah, yeah. um it's it's not entirely relegated to comedy um but like i just think that like in the same way that like even a well into there's there are people who are i you know i i, I don't even like that i'm a that I'm thinking about the fact that like there are people with an axe to grind because the people who have an axe to grind, um, they have it because they've been hurt in some way, or mm. there's like a legitimate injustice that is real that they are prepared to um, be on the avant-garde in tackling. Um, you know, there's a lot of change that we want to. There's a lot of change that a lot of people want, but they're not prepared to step up into the front line and mm -hmm. be one of the people campaigning for it. So, you know, the people who are, you know, as some might say, easily triggered are also people that should be acknowledged for being willing to bear the burden of fighting for social change um, in a way that not everybody is. And I often fail to be. Um, I lost the thread of the sentence. Help me. We're what just I would talking say is, about comedians and yeah, the Beatles like in like 17 year olds. You know, there's, there's just a general, you know, so there's a, a, a playwright, her name is young Jean Lee mm -hmm. and she writes, um, very socially critical plays. 
Um, she is an Asian woman. The plays that she writes are not entirely about issues that are related to Asian women. And so there is a degree to which she is and, and has commented about putting herself out there because she knows, especially in the earlier stages of a production, not everything is going to be exactly right. So there just has to be a trust that like, you know, the audience has to trust that they are coming from a position of respect and with an intention that is good. And then they also, and, and that they are open to how they can make the execution of their intent, um, make the execution and their intent closer together. Um, but, but yeah, but that so filter just, of what's, that filter of trusting it, but this trust is reliant, dependent upon the social constructs that are relevant at this particular time. So Fair. they may I mean, change. That is the situation. So like, I'd say there are plenty of shows like, um, like the office I think is one. Um, but there, there's some, uh, Urban Cowboy when we were... Midnight Cowboy? Midnight, Midnight. Midnight, fuck, I always mess that up. Um, Midnight Cowboy is one too where it's like, this is material that when we look at it now, Mm -hmm. we're like, this is regressive, this is fucked up, you know, this is absolutely wrong and so harmful. However, at the time, that was a progressive position. You know, that, that like the Overton window of progressivism has shifted and we're in a new world, but like, which we wouldn't have gotten to if the people who were pushing us at that time from, you know, a position of progressivism that we now view as conservative. Um, so that is, hmm. that is to me like, a consequence that like anyone should be kind of happy to pay. I mean, we should be aware that like maybe we shouldn't, we should try to be informed in how we criticize that. But at the same time, we shouldn't um, continue to like glorify it as a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, yes, I can agree with that. I also think that I'm more interested in result as opposed to intention. Because you know what they say about good intentions? Is that the, that road, the road to hell is paved huh. with good intentions. Well, but, but Abelard so would say the result that the of things is more powerful. Are what are more, impo- or more important because you can't always control your actions. I would say that your intentions are irrelevant. And the result is what's the most important. Because, like, let's look at this thing, 13. The movie 13? Mm, 13 Reasons to... Oh, 13, 13 Netflix Reasons is whatever. Why, I think it's called. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows what their intent was. But, just coincidentally, I don't know if this is directly because of its release. But since its release, the U.S. has seen uh, an increase in the suicide rate amongst teens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, um, 
who well, I mean, that's so like it's a, like what if their intention was to to whatever. avoid that but the result was an increase in in suicide yeah. rate i mean i mean to be perfectly honest this this kind of brings up another thing you know that i, I think there's an over um in the like art world there's this idea of like some people can be like maybe that was what it's meant to be or maybe that's the point when it's like when you try to talk about something that's like failing it's like yeah. no 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 like so like for me like i'm a big believer in exploration but i'm also a big believer in like acknowledging like failure like yeah. acknowledging that yeah. something didn't succeed like yeah. you wanted it to it wasn't you know part of the point Right. You know, but maybe it was part of the point to have that documented so that we don't continue to do this. So maybe it's not, should we keep this, but should we keep this going? Well, I mean, but you should, but also at the same time, there could be, I don't, again, we're operating from a position of ignorance in terms of the writer's intent. Um, Sure. But there, it's very also possible that, you know, I, you've written, you've written things before. Yeah. You know, like when you're sitting in that, you, you know, the position of where you like kind of inherently you've, has it ever been semi-autobiographical? Um, sure. Do you think that you are giving that you're in the play, like biasing the events toward the way in which you wish they had turned out? Yeah. So like, that's a situation where like, depending on how this writer could very easily have sort of selfish intentions that happen to also be commercial. And so like, and so they might not, yeah, they might not have any sort of uh, care or thought towards what, Hmm. what someone might think when they, when they see it. Um, it, you know, it's very possible that it could be self-serving in the same way that like I've written plenty of self-serving scripts, like plenty that portray a situation the way that I wish it went down or make it appear like the character that is an analog for myself is right in the ways that I felt like I was right. Um, but isn't that to an extent, that's like our, what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have a perspective and write. Yeah, but that's act different. from that perspective. I I think that like when you, I think that there's a while that it is good to like acknowledge your like perspective and like share your perspective. It it's a little bit different. It's also kind of cliche, but like, and, and not particularly good writing because that bias is oh you're speaking like, within the context of writing like yeah oh yeah yeah I'm saying okay like, i see what you're saying so i'm saying yeah, like, yeah. this person yeah. may have like written it in a way that like whatever they're going through maybe like who knows it is sure, possible sure. that they wanted to shed light on this issue it's also possible that you know they didn't you know, they were bullied and they felt like they weren't appreciated. And this is their sort of, uh, daydream about what they wish they could inflict on other people. Hmm. Um, so like you're right in that regard, the result is more important than the intention. Um, also, yeah, I mean, I'm, 
an author that I really respect, uh, John Green, doesn't believe that in authorial intent is relevant at all. But my reasoning for for bringing up intent is not about like an author controlling meaning. It's more about the fact that like I I think it's like an intuitive thing that like the same way that like when somebody somebody two people can say the same sentence and you can get the feeling that one person is being rude to you and the other person isn't. Yeah. You know, like you can just intuitively feel. But I think on. Yeah, that's but it's also true the other way around where one person can say the same thing to two people and those two people perceive it in different ways. Also true. Right? I mean, but in, but in a way like to kind of phrase a question the way that I feel like you like to think about things, that in many cases is like almost an explicit goal of art. To like have, I mean, that's a, but that, no, 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 not even like that is virtually a definition of art. One person or a group of people saying something, and then everyone who in, who comes in contact with it perceiving it differently. Yeah. Yep. And like, honestly. So, what I think is so interesting though about your show and about you as a person is, is, is how you can. Your your whole show is based on keeping like should we keep this or not? It's judging things, mm-hmm. which sounds very exclusive and um, like you're pushing things out, but it's actually not. And like this conversation, I think, is also proof of that. It's like you keep your mind open while also trying to like build um, a filter for things that maybe we should and should not venture into as artists. Like, yeah, I think that's immensely valuable. I mean, so like, I know that I feel like the more that I think about art in general, the more that like, I I know a lot of people that have ideas about what they feel like is good Mm -hmm. and what they feel like they like and the kind of art that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, and in a way have sort of internalized it, to the point where they see other people's views as lying somewhere on their spectrum of what of preference. Um, but like generally speaking, I just feel like the most important factor to liking something is literally that you like it. Like there's just something like, I think that like people have like crafted work and like the deeper you go, you can discover things about like why you liked it and like and like why you feel what you feel and like explore that. But like I feel like the most important feeling, and some people don't feel this way, some people feel like it's an insult for this to be the most important thing. But I think the most important thing is like like did you like it? Yeah. Because like are you are you responding to it? Are the episode that we released today of looking for artists was very much about that is what you're doing bringing you joy because if not it's most likely not bringing other people joy right i mean i mean if you're not taking care of yourself how can you then take care of other people and i don't know about you but as an artist i do feel a responsibility to take care of people in weird ways 
Like even if it's just an audience, yeah, I have to take care of their attention span for however long the show is. Or in some moments, it, I have to take care of their emotion, emotional state, like right now. So you like to, um, would you say that, like, if I'm remembering correctly, you like to spread joy and then he is like a di- di- distributor of dignity? I'm losing the um, phrasing. But. No, I don't know what I am in like, terms of my relationship to be, joy. Well, like, I mean... Well, to me, it's perfectly conceivable that sharing joy might not be part of somebody's desire for making art. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I guess. But I feel is like. Is that part of yours? I feel like it should be a part of artist's job. To spread joy? Yeah. And sometimes I mean, he did that make joy. The caveat. He did make the caveat. I mean, like, that. Think catharsis, yes, is going to lead to a kind of resilience that we can call joy, and like it'll a, give you a tool. It'll give you tools, yeah. and like yeah, you know, something that I think is yep. definitely true. And I, it surprises me more and more the more people I meet that are not in the arts. That's something about like arts. Are, the arts are, I think, probably more. Actually, I don't have any idea because I've never been in another industry, but it's a very like socially immersive industry. And so like like um most of the people that we meet are other artists. It's very it's very few times do I come in contact with people who aren't who I then get exposed to seeing like people's awareness of their like inner emotional life and perhaps the uh, inner emotional life of other people that like, you know, like we, we talk about people like, I feel like, or I feel like I have spoken about people who I feel like are just not aware about how their behavior is being perceived or like, you know, I, I, they're like emotionally unaware that may phrase something like that. But like, if I am talking about a creative, odds are there are still leaps and bounds among people who are in non-sort of emotionally exploratory careers that like I meet, and they're just so unaware of how they, as people, process their own experience, and like you know, part of sharing our perspectives is also being aware of like what that perspective is and how to share it, how to channel it, how you, Michael work, how your sadness works, how your happiness works, how your anger works. Like you know that because you investigate it. Lots of people that don't have to, because they don't, that, you know, the, um, Dex, emotional dexterity isn't professionally required. Have have no awareness. I mean, we. I, I had an instance. I'm not throwing him under the bus. Um, maybe I am. Um, but there was just like he's not emotionally unaware. But this was a blind spot. There was a moment where my dad was upset, and 
he kept doing these things, like kind of like pushing past me and kind of like sighing and like, <clears throat> you know, trying to get by me when <laughs> instead of like asking like, right. you know, hey man, I need to get a glass. Would you mind stepping just like, you're just like halfway in the way. And right. Just step like six inches to the side. Wouldn't be a problem. And so like, I didn't really do anything about it. And then after like two more times, I went to him and I was like, like, how you feeling, man? You know? And then, you know, he eventually got around to explain that he like felt angry and he didn't really know why. And I was like, yeah, you do feel angry. And he was like, what, like, what, like, why do you think I feel that way? I'm like, because you've been acting out of your anger, you know? And, but he didn't see the ways in which he was acting out of his, yeah. his anger. Yeah. Um, and also didn't really understand why he was angry in the first place. Um, and there's just like, I feel like I meet every once in a while, I'll like intersect a group of people who are for the most part, like not, they don't maybe view themselves as creative. I mean, I, I don't, think that there are many people who have zero creative capacity or, I mean, if, if they do, it's because it's been trained out that like, like they're just so not tapped into that environment that it's like, it, it makes, it's very alienating for me because it's something I take for granted. Yeah. I think they, that also when we, as creatives, especially in the city, we find ourselves surrounded by like-minded people. Uh-huh. And so it's easy to think that it's normal to be in touch with your emotions. Sure. And maybe, like we've been speaking a lot of evolutionary and um, Cambrian pasts. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. the word that I was searching for in today's episode. Right. Um, Which, how soon do your episodes air? About a week after we okay. do it. So it's not like ours where there'll be like a three-week break between... No. Yeah. No, ours are pretty hot off the press until okay. we work up some episodes to archive. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, that's something... Yeah, like the archive, like when we were talking about like having a... Um, using some of our free episodes, one of the things that I said to Gina was like, the only, the only reason I'm like anxious about or hesitant to use some of our gap space is that like... I don't foresee in the immediate future a time in which we're going to build it back up. Um, mm, mm-hmm. So I was like, mm. but um, obviously we did take a break because anything is possible. Um, but also we're going to take a season break. And so we have enough in the gap to not have a break in recording that, you know, it's a little inside the baseball, Dude. but um, let's get in the baseball. Wait, you're, you're going to wait, you're going to take a break. Should we keep this taking a break? We, no, what I'm saying is we didn't record today. Oh, yeah. But because you have a buildup. Right. But like there will be a space between 1979 and 1980. Um, got you. Whether or not there's a release break, I don't know. But there will be a recording break because we've got a bank, baby. Hey, I'm trying to build up my bank, my yeah. content bank, you my creative get, you bank. Get like an ally account. Uh, it's got a high interest yield. Um <laughs> Good, maybe CDs probably not the best investment. Oh my gosh, dude! What about those guys still pushing their CDs in Times Square? Oh man, so I host I host Airbnbs, right? Talk about spreading joy, dude! I host Airbnbs, and this guy we had this guy who spoke basically like zero English, and he 
he left us a CD and like had his name on it. And we were like, does he make music? Yeah. Weird that he left this for us. And like we put it, I put it, I had to like, we then had to find somewhere that could play CDs and then put it in. iTunes comes up and it's like rap music. And his name is like Lil Murder. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then once it starts playing, I was like, oh, okay. We basically realized that like he, like somebody was passing out CDs on the street and then they like wrote his name on it and gave it to oh. me. I was like, Okay. Okay. Because this is nothing is adding up about what I mean. Granted, not everything always adds up. We had one dude who was like really like introspect, like really internal, like seemed kind of shy, and that motherfucker left uh, used enema next to my toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Airbnb man. (laughs) For the most, I'd say ninety nine percent of the time. It's nothing but amazing experiences. Every once in a while, though. You get that wild card. You get that enema. <laughs> that enema next to the toothbrush. Next to your toothbrush. Okay, so I could literally go on with you forever, and so I'll just have you back on if you're down. I'm always down. Okay, good. So I'll just end it You're with... an amazing interviewer. I want to put that out. Oh, you're thanks. Yeah. You're an amazing host. I know. Wow, well, I take it back. <laughs> now, I thought you were honestly oh, my brain CDR. like forgot He's... that like you were talking about the podcast that I host, and I thought you were implying that I have like I thought you were trying to say that like I somehow had like co opted hosting this podcast. Did that you see also how I gave my yeah. listeners a little taste of what your podcast may feel like in their brains? Because we got into it with mm-hmm. the Beatles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah, I the the your episode of the podcast today made me like uh really really like I I it's just something that like made me really uh, in a way jumpy. I don't want to say I don't want to say hmm. triggered, but like there was a lot of um inform it sparked a lot of like internal and external no, all internal debate. Um mm-hmm. Partially because, like, um, one of the more along lines of, like, taking things for granted, I'm also from, like, an atypical area of the South. I think that, like, in many ways, Atlanta is probably the most progressive, typical version of the South, whereas, like, where I'm from is, like, less typical. Mm. Um, you know, he, do- he doesn't have an accent either, but, like, no one had an accent where I come from. Um that's very atypical of the Zero. South, um, especially South Carolina, right? But like Charleston's just. But I but I actually thought about it. It's like because it's atypical. I think there might, in many cases, be less of an immediate call for introspection mm. and interrogation, and so like Atlanta might have like a leg up because because of like factors of its of its history hmm. um in a way that like you know you can you can stagnate if you like you might be doing well but then you like stagnate because you're not thinking about how to make yourself better um i don't want to say that charleston's stagnating it's actually like exploding as of the past 10 years but like 
in terms of how I was socialized growing up. Yeah. You know, there was a lot that I was not really in a position to question necessarily. Well, you know what? Thanks. That's actually really good to hear because I listened back after someone told me that they were listening to it and getting kind of inspired. I listened back and I was like, this is, this was, this is making me a little sparked and jumpy. And uh, I think there's still some stuff in there that I need to process. So I'm also from, I know you're trying to cut me off, but like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm also like Charleston, despite being like the holy city, is also in a lot of ways fairly a religious mm-hmm. um like there's maybe a lot of people go to like go to church on sunday but it is like a highly secular right city like i don't know anyone i i knew i know one person who i'm like oh my god you're insane but for the most part the people who are like conservatives we're all like, in, and this is, I do not approve, but they're like neoliberal conservatives as opposed to like evangelical conservatives, right. which I feel like kind of dominates other areas of the South. For sure. And there, there's going to be diversity. Like people are different everywhere you go mm. and people believe different things, even within, in certain cases, we kind of touch on this in the podcast, within the same church within the same small group, which is even right. a, even a more mm. close to a like-minded group within yeah. a church. that So it's like people are always going to vary. You're always going to find parts of the South that they don't have an accent right. or that no one believes. It's like, what? No one believes in God? Okay. thought I was in, you know, Mississippi or whatever. Right. Like, I didn't really believe. I didn't know. I didn't know people. I didn't meet another person my age that like would sort of in an unqual I met like before I was 21 I maybe knew like one person at all who would probably like readily identify themselves as like a Christian hmm. which is Well you know what even though that that's the r- reality that you grew up in I think it's safe to generalize with the south three things that it's hot. People have heard of Jesus. Well, I mean, and, I'd say that's a safe and, bet. <laughs> and heard of favorite pastime is drawing the same Goku over and over and over and over again. I do recall that being number one on basically every single. Right, you so know, you're from the South. When you've drawn, drawn a million Goku. Gokus, drawn a million Gokus. <laughs> okay, my I'm gonna ask you one question, and then we're gonna end this episode okay. because I gotta pee. Yeah, I've been like, I'm not just holding in burps from the seltzer. Oh, I got to pee. Okay. So here we go. What is the, and this may kind of seem like it's coming out of left field, but I want to know, what was the last CD that you remember buying? Not got as a gift, right? What? Well, wait. Did I did I receive it as a? Can it count if I received um, it as a gift? Can it count if I gave it as a gift? If you receive like the last CD that you got and listened to, and it was yours, like this, you know, a new your last CD experience. Um, I think it might be. Ed Sheeran's. Plus, wowza, wowza. Yeah, 
I don't know that I bought a CD since I had a car to like play CDs in. And that was mm. when that one came out. Wow, thanks. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to share before we go? Because you'll be back on, but anything you want to share f- for now? Yeah, Um. I don't know. Like, I'm working on a number of things, but they're, like, in beginning stages. So I'm, like, cool. both in in some ways superstitious, but then also in other ways it would be, like, like in a way it's, like, my, the word that's coming to mind is, like, wet noodle. Cool. It's, like... So we'll come back when those we'll noodles back. are a little we'll more erect. When they, when, they, when, they, when, they, when we got some like nice al dente, ready to eat noodles, maybe with a light little bit of cheese, maybe a dusting of truffle oil, Ooh, and oh. hopefully some spoons know, and forks. Spoons and forks, baby. Do you eat pasta with the spork and the spoon? <laughs> maybe we should just end this. Oh, <laughs> dude, I was gonna say this. Uh, um, uh, but no, I try not to eat pasta. That's the answer to that question. Oh. Okay. And if I do, like, it's it's going to be gnocchi or, like, orchietta that, like, don't really need the twisting. Do you still have your story on Instagram of that? Oh, yeah. It's saved, baby. I put okay, it in the highlights. Okay, so this is what I was going to oh, say. Oh, hell yeah. We that were going to re-explore. This is how we're going to go out. All right. First of all, give them your where they can find you on Instagram if okay. they're interested. My Instagram is Stephen Moskos. That is Stephen with a V, M-O-S-K-O-S. That's just what it is. I I don't I don't have anything funny. Um, the yeah, it's just my name. Uh, yeah, and um, they can catch you every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, on on should we keep this? Is a Rock Rising Productions podcast. It is available everywhere. Podcasts are free. Yeah, and you can listen to it. You should listen to us critique movies. You should. Tell us how we get things wrong and offer us different perspectives. And because they're open, yeah. Because like we don't have it figured out. If we had it figured out, then that would then we would just you wouldn't a have book. a podcast. We, yeah. We, yeah, we'd have a book and we'd have solved all the problems. And I'd be president, but like or Gina would be president and I would be vice president. Who knows? But I would like to be an ambassador to the UN. That is. I'm with the her point. and him. There is. A I was gonna say you should run for president earlier in this episode. It's crazy that you said that just now. I somebody one like a, a compliment that I was like it was like kind of humbling in a way because I couldn't really take it. Is I met like I met the, like I, I was thinking about this when you were talking about the jujitsu thing. It's like you never who you know who you're gonna meet. I met this person who was like she was friends with a bunch of like ad people. Uh-huh. So I thought she was just an ad person, and then she turns out a to be a visual artist, and then I look up her. And she said she does landscapes. And I was like, fucking weird. And I look up her art, and it's like surrealistic landscapes. Whoa. And she, I'm like, you entirely subsidize both your like studio rental and your life by like selling these paintings. That's like amazing that you have found this market for this. And also, these paintings are amazing. But then, like, we got into like this wild conversation about like uh, inherent, the way that like, capitalism inherently like drives uh inequality and then also like israel palestine and yikes like a lot i don't i don't yeah we got a lot i don't i don't consider that topic to be a yikes topic no um, i'm saying yikes like, in terms of time lot. yeah uh and like in so a relatively like quick amount of time, lot of time relatively it went in depth pretty quickly but like um at the end of like 
one of the fucking a bajillion things she, we were talking about. She was like, <laughs> I might, I feel like if you were a politician, <laughs> I'd vote for you. Um, and I was like, all right. That's yeah, awesome, I dude. Um, I feel like I, you might get my vote as well. Um, you shouldn't vote for me because Steven I don't Moscow's understand comparative policy. Oh, um, word. So, so yeah. Vote retract for that as well. People. Um, um, so speaking of qualified people, I think your Instagram stories, while they may be meaty at times, they're often worth it. What do you mean meaty? You mean that like long, like that this Instagram story that I'm thinking of was meaty. So what I did was next, 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 next. Oh, swipe to the next story. And then someone said, no, 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 you should go back. And so I went back, dude, this is, was that Julie? Did Julie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay. And this is somebody like called you and been like, dude, you skipped it, bro. He's running for president, but his story is amazing. This is fucking crazy, dude. (laughs) You got to fucking go dumb, man. Like literally. So for, so basically for the folks at home, Oh wait, can you read it? Yeah. Let me, uh, all right. Uh, um, because this is what I want to do. I want to play my outro music while you're reading this story. Sure. So, so what's not in the story is that, um, like, what is not in the story is that I sometimes, just to, like, I'm doing a lot of writing now. It's a little insular. I like to get out, you know? I like to go different places. And one yeah. of the things that I'll do is, like, I'll go to this bar not far from my apartment. It's called Forest Point. And the lighting is nice there. And so a lot of bars are like dark, very red. I'm going to burp. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Um, but like I'll go there just to like get some, get some people time. And I go there and there's this, there's a homeless person. And they're sleeping like in one of the chairs that they put out like to, for people who are waiting to go in. Mm-hmm. But I look and I see like, you know, because whatever, you know, homeless people or just it's a thing. Who cares? Um, not about their plight, but, but I do not believe that I'm not somebody who thinks that they should be hidden. Right. Um, right, right. And they. Um, so now this person is sleeping outside this bar. I look at it I'm like that's weird. She also is holding an iPhone 10. So I'm like, that is a. You shouldn't be sleeping with that phone out. And then also, how'd you get that phone? Presumably, you're a homeless person because you're sleeping outside of a bar at nine o'clock on a Friday. And then (laughs) I go to the, I go into the bar, I'm sitting, I'm like starting to try to work on stuff. And then I notice she comes in and I was like, Oh, I assessed the situation improperly. Um, And then this guy sits down and they start talking. And I realize that like, I am sitting next to a couple that is like, maybe breaking up maybe having a big fight either way it's fucking weird so we're gonna go through so the stakes are weird and the stakes are high but that's the context for this story right. so and i, I want to say like everyone to know that i am sitting a like one bar stool away from this conversation on a corner so i'm semi-facing them this by the way is going to be the last thing that people hear in this episode because i want people to get joy from this Oh, they so will we're get not joy we're not going to disrupt the flow in, right. of the energy with a goodbye. Thank you for coming. So I'm going to yeah. do it now and then go pee. Right. Thanks for coming on the show, dude. You got it, man. Please Have come back, back on. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, much right. love. So picture of my awkward looking face. I'm like, well, I'm sitting next to a very awkward conversation. Um, oh, it's shaping up. This guy's really heartfelt. I put a little smiley face on there. Oh, nope, it, it, it's bad again. Um, okay, so she goes, you cheated on me, and I feel like shit. He goes, 
Well, that's how you know you're really living. You're feeling something. Me? Wrong answer, man. That is like the worst answer that you could have to somebody who's saying you cheated on me. So like, okay, so I found out they may have been on a break or, or maybe he was cheating on his girlfriend with this woman. And like, honestly, I'm lost. I think I'm going to stop them to ask. Oh, shit. He was lying about where he lived. This dude is bad news. The conversation is flipped again. And I'm going to start a GoFundMe to get this woman some support. Okay, he's left. He left and his parting words were, a breakup should happen once, not five times. And I, I was kind of sad that it was over. But he came back. Oh, I am getting no work done. She's mad because he prioritizes his brother over her. All right, that one's fair. He's his brother. It kind of annoys me because I want to be on her side. But she's losing me on that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So then uh, in the bar, I've been loving you too long by Otis Redding starts playing. Appropriate. And then it became Dirty Diana. Also appropriate. Yo, they're trying to work it out. They're like hugging. And then he goes, you don't think I want you? Of course I want you. I don't see it in your actions. The things you do are your fault. Oh, so nothing I've done for you means anything? He's the worst. And then she goes, I know in my heart that I liked you and I supported you. I hope you have a nice life. Newsflash, turns out I'm not the only one sharing this story. This has become a cooperative effort. People in this bar are like, we're like passing our phones back to each other to capture different things that each people are hearing. Oh, and then I send a little picture of the guy. He has a nice tight buzz cut and a skinny Aryan nose. Uh, he dresses like he, oh, oh, you know what? He was going to law school. So if you can just imagine, he's a douche. Oh, he's crying now? Oh, God, fuck off. I broke a promise or lied, whatever you want me to say. Again, if you have cheated on someone or broke a promise or lied, saying I'll say whatever you want me to say is, n especially if you're being glib, not exactly the way to go about it. And then she goes, Kyle told me be careful. Esther said, I'll be careful for you. God, no, no one can be careful for you. You should always be careful. You said in recent months, you said thank you for listening. You said that. So I was listening. Also bad. And you're all, suck my dick, it's not cheating. I have a girlfriend, suck my dick. One time, it was physical, one time. The other time, she wouldn't do anything because she knew I had a girlfriend. Also, not a good answer, dude. If you didn't cheat because they wouldn't cheat with you, just keep that in your back pocket. Look, if I fuck someone, that's my goddamn decision. You don't have to be so mean. So you, don't read into what I'm saying, goddammit, I would have told you. So... He's sad about how this conversation is going because apparently he thought they'd be friends for years to come. Oh, I've just been informed of the following quote. I'm emotionally intelligent, okay, because I'm happy for you. I've already said you don't deserve this. I've already said it, okay? They're taking a break. I actually turned the camera around to take a picture of them, and they both like have their head in their hands. The, the pile of tissues is starting to pile up. So uh, also somebody tried to sit in the one seat between us and I, I blocked them from doing that. Yeah. 
go. I think. Uh, oh, I think is it. I think I think they're really gone. And now "Ain't No Sunshine" when she's gone is playing. It's like the DJ is listening to the conversation. Oh, something I left out. She was actually sleeping in front of the bar when I arrived. Not sure how it plays in, but it does. Oh fuck me, y'all. He's back. This is never ending. He prides himself on his ability to suppress things. Does he get a thumbs up for that? She seems to be a bit more removed now. I think she's made up her mind. I loved you so much. I loved you so much. I love you too. I always will. Shouldn't you be texting somebody else? Nice. So she's not being fair because she's not doing her part to compartmentalize, apparently. Oh, I laughed by accident. He said, I have the ability to suppress stuff. It's sick. Oh, her phone is blowing up in solidarity. Uh, or they're reading my Instagram story, one or the other. I did keep waiting to get caught. His brother's name is Errol. God, this whole family sucks. He's showing her his Uber history. What the fuck is happening? And she is picking it apart. Oh, she's pulling no punches. I never came with you. Your dick sucks. I never felt anything. Shares, if I could turn back time, please. Oh, then they start hugging for like a long time, and I start to believe that they may leave together. Okay, he left again, but honestly, I've been fooled before. Now it's shares strong enough. Is this DJ following the conversation? He didn't come back. I took a picture of all the napkins that she left. And then they were cleaned up and it was like they're never there. I want to thank you all for following me on this journey. Anytime you want, you can go right over to my Instagram. Look at my highlights. It's there for y'all. Stephen Moskis. Looking for an artist. Looking for an artist. This has been a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Thanks for listening.